106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Uh, by the way, we know that vaccines are killing people of color, blacks, Latinos, uh, indigenous people at about two times the rate of white Americans. Uh, by the way, we know that vaccines are killing people of color, blacks, Latinos, uh, indigenous people at about two times the rate of white Americans. What the fuck did you just say? Question for all my leftist friends. What has been your favorite part of the presidency so far? Is it the spike in gas and insulin prices? The troops having to sleep on a cold garage floor at the Capitol? The bombs dropped in Syria or the lack of addressing the country? The cancellation of the pipeline and the 52,000 jobs that were lost? Wait, I'm not done. The illegal immigrants coming into the country without a COVID test? The lies about the first gay cabinet member? The wokeism? The radical leftist idea? I could keep going, but I'm gonna have to circle back. Thanks, Jen. How can you guys say that President Biden was not a close contact with Speaker Pelosi when there is video of the Speaker kissing him? Well, Peter, the way that it is defined is by the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, and their definition of it is 15 minutes of, of contact within a set period of time uh, and within six feet. Uh, it did not meet that bar. It does not mean that, uh, that no one will get COVID around the world who does not have a close contact. It just means we are defining for all of you uh, whether the president and their interaction met the definition of the CDC of a close contact. Good morning and welcome to NPR National Public Radio. A quick trigger warning, if you're a human with emotions, you may want to avoid this program. Today on the show, we follow the science and talk about implicit institutional bias regarding diversity in the workplace while creating a safe space to deconstruct microaggressions stemming from systemic inequality created by an oppressive cisnormative system while increasing equity in the name of inclusivity to combat racial racist racism for minorities and the trauma from being marginalized by climate change. We interview the leader of BLM, a POC, about AOC fighting for CRT. We cover how the LGBTQs are crippled by toxic masculinity. We then shame you for having white privilege, because if you're white, you're privileged, regardless of if you're mentally ill, dying of a horrible disease, or been raped a bunch. We explain how life is a walk in the park if you're white, even if you have no legs. We then talk about Trump for 30 minutes, pretending like we hate him, but clearly want him elected again because we can no longer pay our rent with tote bags. We then reveal another 75 new gender identities. And finally, we ask, should Guy Fieri be canceled for culturally appropriating lesbians? It's currently 79 degrees in Central Park. The time is 4.53 p.m. But time was invented by the patriarchy, so you can make up whatever time you'd like. We'll be right back. <laughs> you want to know how the government works? Do ya? First, they take your legs. Then they sell you a wheelchair. Then they tax you for the wheelchair. Then they regulate when and where you can use the wheelchair. <laughs> and as you sit there, cold, hungry, and helpless, they assure you that without them, you wouldn't be getting around so well. <laughs> Any questions?
Good evening and welcome to No Hostages Radio. This is Lou Benninger. I'm the guy that's normally here. So uh, thank you for listening today, tonight, whenever you get to it. I'm happening. Uh, I'm sitting here in a uh, couple days ahead of when this is going to be on the uh, on the web and working on this, and then it's going to be worked on by some other folks to put it together so it sounds right. So it's uh, we just had some rain here in Northern California, and we needed it. We need lots of water up here, but uh, because most of the water the liberals send into the ocean for environmental sake, and so. Farmers suffer, everybody suffers for a myth that somehow all the fish in the sea are going to die if California doesn't save them. So any little bit of water we can get is nice. So we had a little thunderstorm today. It was refreshing and kind of just wet things down a bit. So we're here at our 160th podcast. We do one a week, and this will show up on the 23rd of April. 2022 i was going to say 2023 because i'm things time is passing by so fast and uh, if you want to uh get a hold of me you can a couple ways you can text me or call me at 530-713-1838 that's 530-713-1838 I am on the left coast, so if you're calling from a different time zone, think about that. Uh, you can also uh, reach me at Lou. It's an uh, email based on our website at nohostagesradio.com. So you just go Lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. If you want to send me something you think I ought, ought to learn about, know about, clip you think I ought to share on the podcast or on the live radio show, please feel free. Uh, We don't have to be buds or we don't have to have any agreement. If you want to send me something, I'll certainly look at it. I look at things every day people send. And uh, we also started a live show uh, just about a year ago. We're almost at a year. May 1 will be one year since we went back on KMYC, which is a local radio station here in Northern California that went through some transitions, changes in ownership. Then it was burned down by an arsonist, and now it got rebuilt. So uh, we're doing a live show there on Saturday mornings, the same morning that uh, this show comes up. We do a live show, and of course, if you're very far away from Northern California, you can't hear it unless you go to a live stream website called live365.com, live365.com, and you can click on radio there and put in KMM, like in Marysville, or Mickey, YC, and that'll pull up that radio station and whatever's playing will come across wherever you are. Or if you're, uh, if you're local around here and you want to uh, listen on that, you can as well, as opposed to from a podcast. So, uh, but, but that will be the live show. This podcast just comes off your podcast source or off our website at nohostagesradio.com. You can also catch some of the articles if you're, if you ever were caught up in some of the articles I wrote for the Territorial Dispatch over many years, I just uh, started writing a few again this week. They they kind of put the word out, hey, why don't you write a couple articles? So I did. So if you're interested in that as well, you can share those around in a different way. Instead of a recording, you can just uh, uh, copy and send those off. So um, 
We also have a Live with Lou. The, the live show is called Live with Lou, so we have a Live with Lou Facebook page if you're interested in that. But that's about it, so we'll, we'll get into things here. I wanted to uh, start off, I've been thinking about the many things during COVID that were, uh, were uh, deceptions and uh, lies and myths that the, uh, those in power uh, brought to the public to convince them to let them just uh, overtake our democratic republic and create a tyrannical government, which is what we've been living under in California. I'll speak for California. I don't know where you're listening from today, obviously. So some of you are in much freer states, and some of you are also battling some uh, real issues yourself. So one of the false concepts that that was brought forth was that since it's a, a national emergency, a state emergency, that really we don't have to follow the Constitution anymore. That is a lie, and I want to read you a statement that, uh, let me see if I can read the, the bottom here. This, this statement was from a Supreme Court ruling, I think. Uh, I'll read it to you. Home Building and Loan Association versus Blaisdell. B-L-A-I-S-D-E-L-L. I'll say that again. Home Building and Loan Association versus Blaisdell. Uh, 290 U.S. 398 and then 425 and 426 in 19 and 34. I want to read you something about emergencies. This is from our government, and our, our judges uh, ruled this. And it says, emergency does not create power. Emergency does not increase granted power or remove or diminish the restrictions imposed upon power granted or reserved. The Constitution was adopted in a period of grave emergency. Its grants of power to the federal government and its limitations of the power of the states were determined in light of emergency, and they are not altered by emergency. What power was thus granted and what limitations were thus imposed are questions which have always been and always will be the subject of close examination under our constitutional system. While emergency does not create power, emergency may furnish the occasion for the exercise of power. One of the things I really enjoy about this statement is that the Constitution was adopted in a period of grave emergency. Its grants of power to the federal government and the limitations to power of the states were determined in light of that emergency, and they are not altered by an emergency. Tyrants today, governors, senators, assemblymen, city councilmen, supervisors, are off their rocker. And they deserve to be thrown out of office, however that can take place, in any power. In fact, our founding fathers uh, authorized us to do that with violence, if need be. If we couldn't do it any other way, and uh, we were locked in a situation where we were being overruled as people, we could remove uh, legislative people by violence. That's why the Second Amendment is there 
and there are that people are armed and they wanted to act in the beginning they encouraged children to be armed as well young people they took very seriously the very fact of what we're going through right now where people uh for whatever reason you can fill in the blank on the motives whether a lust for power a thirst for power or whether it is an agenda they have to convert us from a democratic republic, say, to a socialist, socialist country or a communist country or whatever. We have a right to resist and to use all means to resist. Oh, Lou. It's interesting. Oh, people say, oh, you, you're talking violence. No, no, no. It's interesting. The only people that are doing violence now are the government. Those are the people beating down people, arresting people, violating their constitutional rights. I was there at the state capitol in the beginning of COVID on the grounds of the state capitol, open grounds. It's like a park there. And all of a sudden, uh, hundreds of CHP officers were arresting people because they were on the grass. They were just standing on grass or on the concrete, and they were involved in a... Uh, a day of uh, deliberation, celebration, preaching, singing, protest against the COVID mandates, right? And the CHP began to arrest people, and what they put on their citation was that they were on the Capitol grounds without permission. Hmm. I didn't think so. I thought the people owned the Capitol grounds. I did not think Gavin Newsom or anybody down there owned the Capitol grounds. The other thing that was on the citation was people were not standing six feet apart, which was never a law. It was total nonsense. It was psychological manipulation, right? Yet they put that on the citation that, that uh, they just, in other words, the government, when it's tyrannical, just makes up rules as they go along. I'll give you an example. I was flying uh, during the beginning of COVID from Boise to and from Boise, Idaho, ending up in Sacramento, California. And I had to teach a, a couple of days of classes over there. So I, I did not wear a mask on uh, th the flights going over, on the flights coming back. Uh, there was a lot of pressure. And on both the flights coming back, the captain came on the speaker, and I was the only one on the plane without a mask. And he said, um, in general, it's a state law in Nevada, because uh, I was coming through Las Vegas over to California from Idaho, and he says, it's a, it's a California and a Nevada state law that you have to wear a mask on an, on an airplane. That is an absolute lie. There was never any laws. It was no mask went before legislation. That was simply tyrannical rulership. And what you had was, was uh, pilots complicit in that lawlessness. Now, since then, pilots have been fighting against mandates and many pilots have died many pilots uh, have been disabled and are no longer able to fly because they took the jab none of these none of these things are highly publicized because why because the government and the powers that be behind the jab and behind this whole agenda to change our society into a highly controlled monitored society where you're surveilled at every corner they don't want you to know the damage that the jab is doing and as um, you heard at the start of the show, when you heard that guy say 
blacks and Hispanics and indigenous people are dying twice as fast from the vaccine as white people. That gentleman, uh, if I could call him that, I'm just trying to be polite, I guess, today, is a fellow named Xavier Becerra, who was the attorney general of state of California and then was appointed the head of health and human services for the United States of America. He's very liberal, which is fine, but he's also very arrogant. And somebody filmed him talking on an on, a, on an equity show, and he got his tongue twisted and started to talk trash on that show, and he gave away information that he would never give away in a congressional hearing. And that is that he knows, and the powers that be know, that the vaccines are killing an undue amount, an unusual amount, two times as many as whites, blacks, Hispanics, and indigenous people. Now, you may think that's a coincidence, or like me, I think that is very purposeful, and it's designed that way. And those are the people, it's very intentional, and those are the people that are still trying to force vax on people, knowing that it's killing people. Now, a friend of mine, just one of the listeners, just sent a clip from Rumble of Thomas Renz. He's an attorney, and he's filing lawsuits regarding COVID because of all the manipulation, myths, and lies perpetrated on the people. And they did a query from data from Medi-Cal, Medicare, and uh, maybe it's the Medicare, Social Security, older people in the country, and they looked at all their deaths. Now, they're not, remember how they, they were counting all these people as sick with COVID that weren't really sick with COVID? And they were just mounting up as many numbers as fast as they could. They were fraudulent. Uh, it was a scam from the very beginning. But the, the adverse effects of the shot, they're, they're not wanting to add any of those figures in until there's all this thorough research. So when they did a query of people that have died uh, with, with Medicare, that's your people, your elderly people in the country, only those. So they looked at a people, the people over 65 and uh, so the rules are what the CDC came up with is that they're not going to they're, they're not going to say that a death after a shot, a COVID shot, they're not going to count that as a COVID caused death, a COVID shot caused death, unless they've you've had both vaccines and 14 days have come to pass. After that, then they will call that a COVID death if you die after that, right after that. But still, it's very hard to get them to cause that, to, to do a causative relationship, cause and effect between the shot, the jab, and the person's death. Because at that age, people can die of just like, just for whatever reason, right? At that death. People just come to pass at that more than if they were six or seven years of age at 65. So what they did is a query, and they did a query of, uh, people that died within the 14 days but 14 they just came up with this random figure if they didn't they had to have both shots and then after 14 days they died then they caught they called it a, a covid related death covid shot death so what they found was there's an excess an additional 52,000 deaths 
of people 65 and older that died right after they got the shot. And the fact is a lot of people are taking the shot and dying right away. In fact, I just talked to a friend who works at a local hospital or a hospital just an hour away from where I live, uh, a, a destined, uh, what do they call it? Dignity health hospital. And she said that one of their youngsters works for them. A young woman in her twenties took the shot, went home and died that night in bed. Now that, you know, again, it's so fascinating, the double standard, the hypocrisy that the, that the CDC and the California Department of Health Services are so reluctant to associate any adverse effect from the jab with the jab. But they will use a PCR test that comes back positive, though you have no symptoms, and say you've got COVID. Now, that's just crazy. So we are in a a state right now where I think we're still in a state of emergency, in fact, in California. They just don't want to remove the state of emergency because political people, by and large, love power. And they don't want to have democratic debate. They don't want to have resistors. They don't want to have open meetings. They don't like open meetings. In fact, when they were on closed meetings with Zoom, they loved it. And they don't have the they don't have the cojones to admit it, but they loved it. And they didn't want to leave Zoom meetings. And what you're going to see already, there's a prediction that we're going to have an avian flu outfit outbreak, just like there was a prediction that we were going to have a pandemic, right? There was a prediction a couple of years ahead that we're going to have a pandemic. Not that we might have one, so we're having one. We're going to have one. Now there's an avian flu uh, prediction, and it's not just, well, someday. They're saying it's coming, and there's going to be new lockdowns. Now, recently, uh, and I'll talk more about this after the break. we got five segments after this one. Uh, in Yuba-Sutter counties, we have two boards of supervisors. And after two years of incredible lockdowns that killed people, ruined their businesses, did all kinds of damage, and shutting down of schools, the Ten supervisors, five for each county, nine of the ten in closed session endorsed the county health official, which I call the doctor of death or Dr. Mingala, and her name's Fong Lu. And they endorsed her. What that means, people, is that if the state or any part of the government above above the county says they're going they want us to lock down, we have nine of ten supervisors that basically have said we're gonna lock you down again. Amazing. It just, I was shocked when it happened, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that I'm not into like, Oh, I'm a big guy. I'm going to predict something that's going to come to pass. I'm telling you that we're going to get locked down again. They're going to try to lock us down again. And again, you're going to have the choice of whether to comply or not. And most of you complied. Very few of you did not comply, whether it was your, and I'm telling you, do not allow your business to be shut down resist this is the time to resist and to stand this is where your freedom is won or lost your freedom is never won in good times your freedom is won when they're trying to take it from you you need to stand up and you need to resist and you do not need to comply it's going to be fraudulent we've had thousands of years of people that have faced all kinds of flus and they've done just fine 
So we're going to take a break here. We'll have a, a clip, uh, a few clips. I've got some great clips tonight, and uh, then we'll be right back, and we'll do our second segment. All right. I knew the time would come And have the bed for my mistake I can blame you For what you're doing to me, girl Hello, Sutter County. I'm Courtney Ortega, and I'm running for supervisor. Our government is mismanaged. It's too large and it's too expensive, yet it fails to serve and protect us. The homeless rule our streets. Addiction and overdoses are epidemic. Sutter County COVID policies crushed thousands of lives and businesses. Our rights were violated. Our freedoms were denied. As your supervisor, your freedom and liberty come first. No closing of businesses, no mask mandates, no restriction to homes, no county offices or meetings off limits to you, no favoritism. Everyone gets treated fairly, no ignoring criminal behavior, and no new taxes. If you want honesty and a government that serves you, if you want change, Vote for me on June 7th. This ad was paid for by Courtney Ortega for Supervisor 2022. The existence of a law does not create the constitutionality of that law. We operate under unconstitutional infringements all the time. Government regulating how you speak and what you do is not a constitutionally established right. It is an unconstitutionally exerted power. The federal government said, or, or the founders of this nation were very, very clear that the, fe the reason we have a Second Amendment is not to protect yourself in your home, but to protect yourself, George Mason said, from becoming enslaved by the federal government. Noah Webster said that you bear arms to keep a, a standing army out of your doorstep and to keep the national government from enforcing unconstitutional and unjust laws on you. This whole idea that the Supreme Court, may I remind you, is a portion of the federal government has the authority to grant power beyond the Constitution to the federal government is an absurdity. And what that tells us then is that the Constitution is not the limitation of the federal government. What is the only limitation of the federal government is the Supreme Court of the United States and the will of the federal government itself. That is not a republic, that is a monarchy. Social media from the CCP rarely ever makes its way into American pop culture. But in early 2020, they went viral with radical videos of forced quarantines and sealing people into their own dwellings with welding torches. Were Americans shown all this to make our own lockdowns seem less devastating? And if so, what are we to make of the new social media blitz coming out of Shanghai? People are being starved in their own homes. Their pets are being killed. And it's getting so hellish that suicide is seemingly an everyday part of life now in Shanghai. Just because things are feeling a bit more liberating in America doesn't mean the lockdowns are over. 
How in the hell are these Democrats gonna win an election without another lockdown? They're already setting up the narrative and have invested in new mobile testing machines. If you think Trump is somehow going to save you, even though he helped in the last lockdown and proudly gave birth to the deadly vaccines, he just sided with Dr. Oz. The way I endorsed another person today, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz. Great guy, a good man, good man, Harvard educated. And Dr. Oz loves the CCP lockdown model. And the Chinese numbers have dropped dramatically, which is fantastic news. And it's, it's also valuable for us to understand why they were able to do that. If you look inside of Wuhan province, they had a catastrophe. But outside the province, which of course they quarantined in the largest uh, movement of its nature ever, 60 million people blocked in that space. But the rest of the country was relatively spare. They didn't have the big spikes, the huge uh, crises that Wuhan experienced. And it took the country to in a very different direction. We just have to copy what they did, take their blueprint and repeat it here in this country. And we started that aggressively over the last week. In trauma-based mind control, the abuser alternates between abuse and comfort, which forms a bond with the victim, known in pop culture as Stockholm Syndrome. This might not work on you, but they are not doing it for you. They want the majority on their side when they start arresting people like you for forced vaccination and, of course, gun confiscation. Well, China has, has a number of problems, two of which are that their complete lockdown, which was their approach, a strictest lockdown that you'd never be able to implement in the United States, although that prevents the spread of infection. And remember, early on, they were saying, and I think accurately, that they were doing better than almost anybody else. But lockdown has its consequences. You use lockdowns to get people vaccinated. My shattered dreams and broken heart I'm mending all the shelf I saw you holding hands Standing close to someone else Now I see Okay, second segment. One of the things that um, our founding fathers said that if if one of the ways to take over the country would be to dumb it down, and they they really believed in a strong, educated, and armed uh, citizenry. And if the if the people in the citizenry didn't understand where we came for from, what we believed, why we got here, the way and where we're going. Anybody would be able to sell them a bill of goods, essentially. And uh, like I have some Afghan refugees, and I've been helped get settled when I say I, the group of us. And uh, it was interesting. I took them to, to the halal store where they, there are certain foods that, that they believe they need to eat in a certain way there at the halal store. And then there's other foods that they sell at the halal store that you could buy them anywhere. And like onions and potatoes and stuff, so they can buy. So I w I've been educating them on America since this is, they they don't know this system. And I said a lot of these products you can buy half 
half price of what you're paying here from this tiny little halal store. And I said, just buy the special products that you can't get anywhere else here. So I took two of the ladies over there to shop and uh, to halal store, and out they came with a, uh, a case, 24 monsters, right? monster cans of, you know, high impact on your heart drinks. And, and I said, I said, what are you doing? You know, this guy carried him out, this other Afghan young guy. And I explained to the ladies later, I said, these will be bad for your heart. Because, why do I say that? Because I'm not a heart specialist, but my the doctor I go to is. He said, don't drink any of these. And so what they were sold was what we call, in a colloquial expression, a bill of goods. They were hustled because they were new girls on the block. And the guy knew he could hustle them and make a big sale and get rid of a case of monsters. And he probably overcharged them. He took advantage of his own people. And so in, in the American school system now, we're propagandized and we're lied. And, and so people have these distorted and, uh, views or myths, M-Y-T-H-S, about the country. Like they think, oh, America started and we had all these slaves and all the blacks were slaves and all the whites were the, the plantation owners and all the white people were anti-blacks and all that kind of stuff. And it's just nonsense. And so you begin, as you begin to study history, you think, well, wow, this isn't how I was, this isn't how I assume it was. When you realize that there were entire regiments of black people that fought for the North against the South to free slaves and they're black people. Now, how did they get here from Africa and get free? Think about it. Well, you obviously don't know the whole story. So Chris Ann Hall, who I highly recommend you go to her Liberty society.org liberty first society dot sorry liberty first society.com liberty first society.com and get hooked up with her education program whether you're a young person old person or whatever it's not expensive and she is the best teacher i've found out there okay so i'm going to read you something that i think is just fascinating about the founding of our country she says in april, on april 19 1775 it's an essential part of our American independence and history because there are so many lies in our textbooks and media uh, that influence uh, today about this history. She said, I decided to do a special series of posts today about the African-American patriots who were instrumental in the Battle of Lexington Concord. So we have what we, we could call we have founding fathers that were white and we have we, we could say we have founding fathers that are black. So she goes on to say, please don't let this history die. The progressives in charge of our education and information want every American to believe that there was no black patriots, much, much less free black patriots that voluntarily joined in our fight for liberty and independence. These wicked historical, these, these people, now these people aren't fighting against slavery now. This is a group that fought for independence from England. Think about it. This is way, 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 way before the fight over slavery. This is in the 1770s. These wicked historical revisionists, progressives she's referring to, lie to our generation to sow ignorance, hate, and division. These American heroes knew that, they that the only way they could be free, the only way we could end the commerce of slavery in America was to end the British colonial control over the government and establish independent sovereign states. 
Now, why would they think that in colonial control would end slavery? See any connection there? Maybe you just thought that Americans came up with the idea of slavery. That's another myth. Most Americans are completely unaware, she says, that the commerce of slavery was mandated. That's a common term nowadays, mandates, mandated. The commerce of slavery, the business of slavery was mandated by the British government on the American colonies. In other words, the British government had control and rule over the American colonies, and they said, we're involved in slave trade, and so will you be. The colonies continually attempted to end slavery. Did you? I want to say that again. Chris Ann Hall maintains the colonies continually attempted to end slavery only to be threatened with economic sanctions. You know, we were, we were threatened with economic sanctions in every county in California or city if you resisted the COVID mandates. Did you know that? I just wrote an article about it. The colonies continually attempted to end slavery, slavery only to be threatened with economic sanctions and war by the British government. Now, blacks today that don't know what they're talking about, running around breaking windows and freaking out, are saying, oh, well, we just accepted all our founding fathers loved slavery and we did nothing to resist it and we embraced it and we made money off it and, and that was the foundation of this country, slavery. It's totally untrue. Chris Ann Hall says the truth deserves to be preserved. Black founding fathers and mothers helped build this nation. I want to say that again. Black founding fathers and mothers helped build this nation. This is before the end of slavery. These were free blacks in America. These were patriot heroes, property owners. She's talking about black people in the 1700s. She said these were patriot heroes, property owners, professors, doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, business leaders, politicians, well before the Emancipation Proclamation. You remember that? that? That's the proclamation that freed the slaves. Okay? Didn't You probably thought that they needed to have all these quotas and lowering the standards of college to help blacks be smart enough to be professors, doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and politicians, didn't you? But there were politicians, Republican black politicians from the South in these times. She goes on to say, these heroes should not be forgotten nor their legacy neglected. Now, here's the thing. The only way you're going to learn about these types of truths is go to people like Chris Ann Hall and learn them. You cannot get them from your school system. I don't care whether you're in a mainstream government high school or you go to college. You're not going to learn this. And you're going to be deceived by people to think that somehow your child is now a, is now a culprit and not a perpetrator. Your white child, if you've got a white child going to fourth grade, third grade, is now going to be told that they are a, an oppressor and a perpetrator because they are white. And that's just total nonsense. Chris Ann Hall says, if you want to be truly informed and genuinely educated on the truth about how American independence and the U.S. Constitution ended slavery in America, please take our courses. It's called Slavery and the American Founders. And the second course is how the Constitution ended slavery. You know, it's almost like people say, oh, if you pass a law or you write a constitution that says there should be no slavery, then slavery is going to automatically end. It doesn't 
Right now they pass all kinds. We pass about a thousand laws a year in California. And, you know, uh, we had a sheriff that I, I like this sheriff. Uh, he's uh, uh, retired now. But during this homeless thing, he was exasperated. One day he said, we're not going to be able to arrest our way out of homeless on this homeless thing. We don't arrest our way out of anything. We, we've been arresting murderers and rapists and child molesters for years. And yet there's always a new crop coming up. Isn't that interesting? It's called the sinful tendency of mankind. And our goal to arrest people isn't to, to eradicate it. It's not like spraying Roundup on weeds. That somehow you get it all in there and you'll be able to eliminate that weed from your, your uh, plot of ground. We need to arrest people that violate the rules of our society that we've agreed together to live by. By We have legislation, and we agree on it by having our representatives pass laws. And so I'm, I want to suggest to you to go to libertyfirstsociety.com and look up slavery and the American founders. That's one uh, teaching pod. And the second one is how the Constitution ended slavery. I think it will be very fascinating and I want to just give a shout out. Chris Ann Hall was just here recently uh, speaking to law enforcement and political people. So, um, all right. So we're in a second segment. If you're new to us, we do six segments, as I mentioned before. And uh, we're going to get it on here. I want to talk about uh, this is called the next great pande- pandemic. And there's going to be, the title is Astronomical Death Counts Now Being Telegraphed and Marketed to the Public. I'm telling you that if you were paying attention prior to the COVID launch, that was predicted by all kinds of people. And it wasn't hidden. It wasn't like alternative media. It was on YouTube. Bill Gates was commenting on on YouTube. Anthony Fauci uh, said it right on public TV. So uh, this guy, Gary Barnett, wrote this article. It says, uh, I want to read this. This, Robert Redford, he, excuse me, not Robert Redford, it's Robert Redfield. He is the former uh, Centers for Disease Control director. He quit in the middle of COVID. I think he saw that he was compromised. And uh, his parents actually uh, both worked for the National Institute of Health. And then he went into the business. He said, yeah. This is a quote. I think we have to recognize, I've always said that I think the COVID pandemic was a wake-up call. I don't believe it's the great pandemic. I believe the great pandemic is still in the future, and that's going to be a bird flu or avian flu, same, same thing, avian flu, like an aviary, avian flu or bird flu pandemic for man. It's going to be a bird pandemic. See, usually the bird flu kills birds. You got it? So when they have the bird flu go through Hong Kong, they kill all the chickens in Hong Kong. And you can't even get an egg over there. I've been over there when you couldn't even get a fried egg. So they kill all the chickens and start over. And my friends who raise quail, domestic quail in Cambodia, they'd get a bunch of quail going and they'd start to eat quail and they would get more protein in their diet. And all of a sudden the bird flu would come and wipe all the quail out. They have to kill all the quail. So what he's saying here is there's going to be, he just says once, he just says sometime in the future, he's not saying sometime in the future, like some of these people say, California will fall into the Pacific Ocean. He's saying there's going to be a bird flu pandemic for man. In other words, the flu is going to jump from the birds 
into the human uh, species. He says it's going to have a significant mortality into the 10 to 50% range. That means he's talking about global loss. Can you think, or let's just say there's 7.5 billion people in the world. Let's just say there's half of them gone, right? Three point something, right? Billion. That's Robert Redfield says that, not Robert Redford. Robert Redfield, he's a scientist, medical scientist. So Barnett says, yes, the writing is on the wall. I'm telling you people that you need to watch the local supervisors. They're already preparing you by their decision to keep Dr. Lou for another shutdown. And it's going to be tougher than the one you just exist uh, experienced. Said he, so Barnett said, yes, the writing's on the wall. And in the U.S. testing ground, that is, that is U.S., created China. Uh, Kate, in other words, yes, the writing's on the wall. And in the U.S. testing ground, that is U.S. created by China, cases of avian bird flu are already being reported by news outlets. Why don't you go and go on DuckDuckGo and just you know look up news on avian flu so far as of a few days ago 19 cases of h5n6 bird flu among chinese citizens have been reported as confirmed this year coincidentally two new cases were conveniently reported just as redfield statements were released isn't it interesting how this all is kind of just you think oh just what a coincidence that's amazing no it is there's no coincidences people Supposed fears of a major outbreak are said to be advancing as the propaganda continues. As this long plotted for warning is being broadcast to the masses, the U.S. has been slaughtering chickens, turkeys, and other birds meant for food by the millions in Iowa and elsewhere, in addition to hundreds of millions being slaughtered worldwide. And this is no coincidence. There are planned tactics of fear-mongering and brainwashing of the public, destroying the food supply, right? We, we eat a lot of chicken. Lots of birds. We eat lots of birds. Turkey. We eat a lot of turkey. And eliminating meat in human diets. They don't want us to eat meat. I'm telling you, Gates and Bezos, Amazon's Bezos, they're wanting you to eat the meat that they create that is meatless meat. Every announcement and every warning by the state is by design, and nothing is what it seems, and all is based on on the indoctrination and psychological manipulation of the public in advance so as to lessen the risk of exposure to the state once any real weaponized virus is released. This this is weaponized. This is created by man, just like COVID was all lab-designed. It's going to be a fake pandemic scenario as announced. Now, I read last week about gaslighting. You can look it up and you can study gaslighting. We're being gaslighted. We're being told we're under, we're, we're going to be in danger. People are going to die. You got to wear a mask. You got to stay six feet apart. You got to stay in your house. They're going to have to shut down businesses. It's going to start all over again, people. And we just had a nine out of 10 supervisors of the 10 supervisors in our two counties, all except for one holdout, the one guy that's correct, and that's Seth Fuhrer, uh, who serves in southern Yuba County out in the Oliver Salinda area. Says, what is going on here is not just about another pa- pandemic conspiracy. It is also part of the plot to vastly curtail the food supply, all in the guise of animal transi- transmission of a human 
lab-manufactured bioweapon called the avian bird flu. By targeting animals as a risk to spread flu to humans, the slaughter of domesticated and wild animals will gain more support from this ignorant population. The elimination of meat as a food source in favor of lab-grown GMO poison, that's what Gates and Bezos are going to sell you, that's the next thing, is now being pursued actively as a regulation, control, and eradication of private farms and ranches now underway. This can eventually lead only to corporate farms and strict adherence to government. Now listen, when the EPA and these people looked at global warming, which is a lie, climate change, which is a lie, and you know you you trying to recycle and not use plastic bags and and not use a fossil fuel car, it absolutely has hardly any impact on any kind of climate uh, situations. And what the EPA says, this is amazing. In their documents on how we handle our garbage and carbon footprints and all that stuff, the EPA, deep in their documents, finally says the way to cut back on impact on the environment is to quit growing food, to cut back on growing food. That's what's going on here. I'm just I'm reading it to you, but the EPA has already said in their documents that that's the way to cut back. You're going to cut back on, on fuel use. You're going to cut back on exhaust. You're going to cut back on dust. You're going to come back, cut back on methane, all that kind of stuff. Consider Red, Redfield's warning, he said, or threat that 10 to 15% of humanity will die during the next government-manufactured pandemic. This number fits completely and exactly with Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation's estimate due to his funding of the earlier gain-of-function research concerning the same bird flu now being forecast to kill billions. Gates has already predicted it himself. I just watched a clip from C-SPAN with the, with the, the Gates couple before they divorced. In fact... Redfield is stating emphatically that 800 million to 4 billion people will die in the next fraudulent pandemic. The real pandemic, as he calls it. That's what Gates says, too. And that do at any that do not grasp or understand the depopulation and eugenics agendas. If you don't know what eugenics is, that's what Hitler did. That's what Margaret Sanger did. They they believe certain members of the population like minorities like blacks colored people, people of color, were less than others, and they need to be eliminated like weeds from the garden or runts. Uh, they wanted to, the eugenics agendas, the depopulation agendas, should take notice of what is being openly projected and predicted in advance by the very purveyors of this scam. I'll be right back. We'll do our, our third uh, segment here. Justice Institute. This is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Davis. 
Pacific Justice Institute is suing Hudson Valley Hospital in New York in federal court for violations against the Americans with Disabilities Act and Title VII. You see, the plaintiff, Cindy Broaz, was an employee since 2006 and most recently working remotely due to a disability as a qualified specialist. Despite working from home and away from others, she was fired by the hospital after several months of seeking to secure medical and religious accommodations from a COVID vaccine. PGI contends that the hospital's firing was intentional, malicious, and done with reckless regard to Bro's religious freedoms. Learn more about our ministry and get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at pji.org. Remember the website, pji.org. Hi, I'm a spokesperson for the Democratic Party, and I'm here to tell you why you need to vote blue this November. Democrats are the party of love and tolerance. We promote inclusion and acceptance, peace and goodwill. Republicans don't care about any of these things. They just want to talk about record unemployment, the economy, and keeping communities safe. Fascists. Democrats have positive, practical priorities, like abolishing the Electoral College, eliminating due process, and banning hate speech. These are the values of the American people. Well, at least Americans that live in San Francisco and New York. Republicans often use fear-mongering rhetoric like constitution or liberty. Democrats condemn such language as divisive and instead focus on more unifying topics like repealing the Second Amendment or kneeling for the national anthem. Democrats are the party of equality, so much so that we insist upon unconditionally believing women and disbelieving men because, well, feminism. If you ask us to explain this logically, we will scream in your face and call you a misogynist. Republicans want to take away a woman's sacred right to choose to have her child decapitated inside the womb and torn apart limb by limb with forceps. Democrats celebrate the right to violently murder your child because we're compassionate. Democrats believe that women are powerful and independent. They are also helpless victims of the patriarchy who require government intervention to succeed. Any woman who disagrees with us on this is a self-hating, stupid bimbo. And you know, it's time someone was finally brave enough to say this. Republicans are racist. Democrats have the same positive message for minorities that we have for women. You're a victim, and you're useful to us. If you disagree, we'll insult your intelligence, but it's for your own good. Republicans want to stop certain people from coming into this country. They cite the infiltration of gang violence or opioids or sex trafficking as reasons to stop illegal immigration. But Democrats accept these as the natural consequences of opening up the borders, which, of course, is the more loving thing to do. Democrats recognize that the key to a better tomorrow is to look forward, not backward. That's why we reject capitalism and all of its greed and instead opt for socialism, which has worked so well every time it's been tried. Democrats are the party of the common people, the poor and the marginalized, the weak and defenseless. While Republicans promise freedom, we promise free stuff. That's how we win over young people. Our goal is to make the government work for you so you don't have to work at all. Republicans are always pushing religion in our faces. We reject their bigotry. Religious people are idiots. Democrats would much rather you sacrifice yourself on the altar of progressivism. The truth is, as the party of empathy, we're just better than everyone else. That's why we spend so much time telling people who don't align with our agenda that they're not just wrong, but that they're bad people. 
We still haven't figured out that this condescension is what lost us the 2016 election. Nevertheless, we're confident that through censorship, emotional manipulation, and continued bullying that will eventually get our way. Why? Because we care about you. So much so that we're willing to wear you down until you fear getting silenced, doxxed, or fired because you don't agree with our agenda. That's love. I'm the spokesperson for the Democratic Party. Vote for us in November. Chris Ann, uh, Mike mentioned the constitutional uh, issues. Are there constitutional issues at play that need to be addressed, and how so? And it goes back to the gentleman's question about concealed carry on college campuses. Well, I'm not sure how you can extract the Constitution from your right to bear arms. It is actually the Second Amendment. And since uh, we've already heard from the panel that the court is a dynamic process that changes over time and is subject to the reflection of the politics and that the society in itself can change on a whim based on whatever the high emotion might be at the time. That's the precise reason why we have a written constitution, so that the people of this country can know what, what rights shall be protected from federal encroachment. Those words, uh, it, it is a black and white issue, if I can borrow that, because any time a judge sees the word shall not, that is a black and white issue. The judge does not have a choice. And our Second Amendment still reads, shall not be infringed. And we have an amendment process to the Constitution that requires a great deal of effort. And that is precisely why our constitutionally protected rights cannot be altered or changed by a whim. My grandpa, he likes to act like he's hip and cool. You know, he gets it. He knows how technology works. He's like, hey, mija. Did you get in the fax I email you? <laughs> you didn't get it? I sent it to Google, he didn't give it you? <laughs> I hate Googles, man. That's why you need to Yahoo. Okay, Grandpa. I'll try yahooing next time. So let me just finish up this. It should be no it should be brutally obvious. I'm telling you people, this is I'm giving you a blueprint of what's gonna happen. So get ready. You shouldn't be surprised. We're telling you up front. I'm not telling you anything to scare you. I'm telling you just to like say, hey, this is going to happen, right? Get it together. It should be brutally obvious at this point that this is the beginning of the setup of the American public to be prepared for and to expect a bird flu pandemic. The real setup, of course, is to condition the public to expect and accept tyranny and mass death. The fact that these evil monsters are saying that this is going to happen not may happen, it's going to happen, shall happen. And not that may be a possibility of new viruses telling to, telling to say the very least. Even the framing of this so-called warning leaves only the indication that this is the definite next threat to mankind, even though nothing of the sort has happened. 
How can they predict the exact future? It is because they are perpetrating and purposely creating that future for us. This is what should be called the plan to commit criminal mass genocide. Expect more lockdowns. Expect more surveillance. Expect more distancing, more masks. Expect more economic devastation. Expect more atrocities. Expect more sickness. Expect more rioting. Expect more restrictions. Expect more brutal enforcement and expect more death. Don't turn your back as as the next emergency, the next pandemic, the next war, the next bioweapon release, the next deadly poisonous experimental injection. In other words, any one of the next many false flags sitting in wait could appear overnight. There is no end to this until a majority of individuals decide to stop it. That would be you and me. There's only a small group of people perpetrating this. The vast majority of people are sheep. If all the sh- if all that all it would take is the sheep to just say, "Ain't gonna go for it." You want to do all that? Do it. But I'm not gonna buy it. I'm going to work. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave my house. I'm not gonna wear a mask. I'm not gonna social distance. I'm not gonna do jack. Bill and Melinda Gates, and I and I just listened to this. So you can listen to it yourself. Bill and Melinda Gates, interviewed by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, June 23, 2020. They they start a quote at uh, the mark of six minutes, 43 seconds says, so, so we, we will have to prepare for the next one. Bill Gates says, he's referring to a pandemic. So we, we will, we need to prepare for the next one that, you know, I would say will get attention this time. He says, I watched this. It's incredible. The whole thing is is from six, six point four, three minutes on is fascinating. I watched it right to the end. Uh, So anyway, I'm telling you that uh, these people aren't just because you are not going back to normal, folks. We're not going back to normal. Did you see that uh, the judge ruled out of Virginia, federal judge ruled, not that there wasn't any science behind the masks, though there is none that says it helps you. She, let's see if I can find it here, and I'll just read what this female judge said that is just very, I thought, very amazing, insightful. Let's see if I can, if I have it here. Uh, I had it. Come on, Lou. Basically, she's saying that, uh, here it is. So, what happened was the airlines didn't want to enforce masks anymore after they said it was a state law. So what the court ruled was that the Centers for Disease Control, number one, did not properly explain the necessity of the mandate. In other words, they didn't make any an argument. They just said, do it. Where one, where two, where three. And they, in order to mandate something or get people to do it, you have to properly explain the necessity of the mandate. Number two, the CDC didn't follow proper rulemaking procedures. There are procedures. The court did not say the mandate was unconstitutional or outside CDC authority. They just said they didn't, they didn't do it correctly. So be watchful and diligent as the enemy is waiting for the time to start this all over again. That's what, that's what Chris Ann Hall is saying. So the judge's name was Catherine, Catherine Kimball Mazel. 
She ruled that the CDC didn't properly explain it and they didn't follow their own rulemaking procedures. Do you notice how government creates all these rules, enforces them on you and me, but does not follow them themselves? Mazel wrote in her decision, because our system does not permit an agency to act unlawfully, even in the pursuit of desirable ends. The court declares unlawful and vacates the mask mandate. Now, so you think, oh, well, that's good, right? I got some of my friends are already in the air and they're taking pictures of themselves on the plane with no mask on, smiling. But you know what's happening? You think, oh, well, we're, it's all going to be over. We're going to go back to normal. The department, our Department of Justice is filing appeal, an appeal to Catherine Kimball Mazel's ruling, and they're going to remask everybody. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, this is what's happening, people. I'm just telling you what's going on. We could have, if we were paying better attention before COVID, a year or two before COVID, we could have, we, all the evidence, all, I mean, you go out on the lawn and you see a big pile of manure out there, you know a dog had just been through your yard, right? Or a cat. Or if you're living in the wild, deer or bear, right? You see the evidence. If we were looking for the evidence to predict something, we, it was all out there. All the recordings are out there. Do you know that we're still, we, <clears throat> Kevin Kiley, he is the most active he deserves to be elected to Congress. A lot of people say, oh, well, we don't want him to go to Congress because he's too good of a legislator. Look, come on, people. Don't, it's like we need to have a bigger pie. He deserves to go to Congress. He's an activist. He's the most active legislator we have on the conservative side. He wants, he's, he's petitioning the state to end the sanctuary state rules. Do you remember those? This is before COVID. Do you remember that? Where illegals... Unlawful people, illegal aliens, criminals. Do you know it's a, it's a crime to break into this country without proper paperwork and, and uh, welcoming and all that kind of stuff? It's a crime. That's your first crime. And then they come in and commit other crimes, but they can stay without being persecuted, without being arrested, without being prosecuted. They can stay. So last month, a deranged man, a guy that was having custody issues with his ex, and he was visiting his three daughters and under it was under supervision. So when that happens, you have to the the uh, estranged dad or the strange mom has to pay the custodial person, the supervisorial person. So the supervisorial person was there and the three daughters and the dad. And I guess they were using a church, a place to host this uh, visit. They were having a custodial visit. This guy, for whatever reason, he murdered his three daughters and the custodian, the supervisorial guy that was trying to help him out. Now we've learned that this guy was illegally in the country. Now he's killed his family, didn't kill his, his partner, his wife. She's, they're no longer together, but she wasn't there. He was not only in the country illegally, a few days before the murders, he was arrested for assaulting a peace officer. ICE, that's the immigration people, asked to be notified of his release, but never was. Why? You know the reason? 
because California's sanctuary state law forbids any communication with immigration, immigration authorities when they arrest somebody. Do you know that, uh, kids that are illegally in the country can enroll for school and the school will hide that fact from the authorities that these people are illegal in the country. Kylie writes in his blog, this unspeakable tragedy was completely avoidable. He said, I have introduced AB, that's Assembly Bill, 1708, <clears throat> to end the sanctuary state nightmare once and for all. The Assembly Public Safety Committee will hear and vote on my bill to repeal the sanctuary state on Tuesday, April 19th. I don't know how it turned out. <clears throat> I don't know how it turned out, but uh, Kylie is the one that you can always look to. It's it's uh, he doesn't represent you in Sutter counties as an assemblyman for the state of California. He's just south of us. Now, it's interesting to me that uh, I mentioned and you heard actually the words of how it didn't say who that was at the very beginning of the show before I started to come on. Xavier, not Javier, but Xavier. Becerra confirms that vaccines are being used for ethnic cleansing in America. He doesn't use the term ethnic cleansing, but I am shocked being he's a Mex a Mexican. And he talks and he's talking about this equality and equity and all this stuff. He's talking on this conference by zoom and, and he gives these statistics like, you know, when the government wants to, want you to know certain statistics they are they're all up in your business with statistics but when they don't want you to know the statistics like in the situation where thomas rents is telling us that fifty-two thousand of our grandparents parents brothers and sisters that were 65 and older died needlessly with the jab they don't want you to know that So this guy writes, um, he says that writes this about Xavier Becerra. He says, in truth, the clot shot is just the latest round in the genocidal effort to ex exterminate black people in America and around the world. In 2017, more than two years before COVID, I released a shocking documentary called The Science Agenda to Exterminate Blacks. I haven't seen that. I'm going to have to look at it. Maybe you should look it up. I don't think you're going to be able to find it on YouTube, but maybe on BitChute or Rumble or Gab or something like that. The Science Agenda to Exterminate Blacks. It should be interesting. The documentary was widely shared until YouTube banished it, once again proving that big tech will keep blacks in the dark about any form of genocide targeting them. Okay. So, uh, by the way, you've probably heard, some of you have heard that maybe or even uh, that around California still, I know a lot of you listening that have left California long ago for greener pastures. So we've had, we've got all these bills, these flurry of bills that are bizarre. Like the, like that every kid in California has got to be a, injected with everything that the state demands, including, including the, including the COVID jabs, right? And uh, that was that was dropped and defeated 
But there's another one that there was a thousands turned out at the state capitol a few days ago. AB Assembly Bill 2223. Uh, although it passed out of committee, there was a big uh, protest down there. There were speakers. There were five hours of worship music on one side of the Capitol. There were speakers on another. There were petitions being signed on another side of the Capitol. And uh, there were people coming in to speak against the bill, and and somebody was videoing it. And the, the chairman, and it was a man, uh, of that committee was so irate he he just used the f bomb right in front of every, God and everybody in in the chambers that they were uh, going to hear the people for pro and con of AB two 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 three, which would if pass if it passes, it will allow a parent to take a child home for a few weeks and test drive the child, and if they don't want it, they can kill the child. That's being considered in California. I'm I, I don't have my facts wrong here. And uh, so anyway, this guy was was furious you could tell this guy was furious running this committee meeting and he said tell us what what you effing want to do just i don't want anybody talking just tell us you're for it or against it and and anyway i the clip i i wouldn't even bother playing on there it's very short and it it drops the f-bomb he just didn't say it he said it with great gusto and passion right it it's like one of our representatives. Amazing. So anyway, that's that's a fight that's going on. And you might want to pay attention to that. So, uh, all right. Let me go up here. And I want to, uh, I was I just stopped by uh, Allen's Auto Body today. Uh, they, they're the guys over at the corner of Tea Garden and Sutter Street in Yuba City. Once I, I kind of kissed with the front of my car, a big rig and it, and uh, the big rig didn't even know it hit him. And, uh, it just crink crinkled up the corner of my car. And, uh, so, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Clark and his wife, Carrie helped me put that car back together. And now, even though it's 19 years old, my car, the front of it just looks like it's rolling off the assembly line. And so Kevin called me, said, Hey, drop by, said, I got to put on these mandatory stickers on this new hood you got because they had to put everything new in the front front corner of the car and uh, so we were over there talking and um, i want to encourage you if you if you got a car problem uh, like a body you need the body worked on or the door's not shutting right i've had them repair my door the wind caught it and sprung it and uh, a lot of it put new headlights in if you want to trick out your car upgrade your car keep that old car going because of the cost of things or you get in a car accident, you want to check out Allen's Auto Body, and it's 530-671-1057, 671-1057. Very easy to get to, right down uh, between the 10th and 5th Street Bridge on Sutter Street, corner of Tea Garden and Sutter. Kevin and Kerry Clark and their son uh, are the key players over there, but they have other people that work with them. But they do great work. It's beautiful. So happy with my car. Got it back. Smile. I, I, I told Kevin, I said, at night you can hear the car singing out in the garage. So happy to get its lip stitched back up. So the other guys um, that I want to mention that just you can walk two minutes to the north and you run into North Valley Paralegal at 751 Sutter Street. And they're uh, right around from a printing company in this uh, on the south side of this building. It's got a little green awning over the door. 
751 Sutter. And if you have a legal issue, you don't need to go to an attorney. You can just call them and uh, or drop in. Uh, but you might call and make an appointment and they will uh, they will do the job as well or better, cheaper, happier. And you'll get an actual honest person because I know this person. Every attorney isn't honest. I know some that are really fine people. In fact, I'm doing some projects with one a guy named John Guth. I've known him for 30 years. Wonderful guy. And uh, he's helped me in the past with uh, my own f- family documents. And uh, so I'm not saying all attorneys are bad, but I've met a lot of bad attorneys. And But uh, Nellie Garcia at North Valley Paralegal will help you and treat you right. 530-751-9289. <clears throat> and I'll just mention one more. I, I think I can fit him in. All Power Services. That's Will Fanning and Josh James. Will, the other night I saw him, and he said, Lou, I had to hire another, another uh, employee. He said business is booming. And uh, so All Power Services, they're, make, they're taking all the equipment in Sutter and Yuba County and making it happy. And they're fixing anything that runs with a motor that hasn't been running for a while, been collecting dust. They're putting it back back in your hand, back on the road, back on your vehicle, whether it's a chainsaw or any kind of implement, you know, tool uh, that's run by a motor, tractor, motorcycle, off-road vehicles, motorboat, engine. They, they'll fix you up. You can call them at 530-844-0347. It's 544-0347. Or you could uh, go and you could just shoot them an email and ask them if they do this, that, or the other thing at allpower1469 at gmail.com. That's the address. They are at 1469 Stewart Road, Yuba City. That's right off Highway 99 going west towards the Buttes. Very easy to find, 1469. No traffic, easy. So, uh, okay, uh, I was just talking to Dr. Cassidy today. I'll talk a little bit more about him when we come back. We were just talking about addiction. He's the expert of addiction. He did over almost 30 years working inside the Yuba County Jail, met all the addicts, all the prostitutes, all the people with HIV, took care of all the people coming off the street, homeless people, people who got beat up, getting arrested, took care of all of them. And uh, we are talking about addiction today and why we have all these addicts that are sitting, you know, it's kind of like people are starving over here and, and there's food over there and you can't get the food to the, to the starving. That's what we got with, with our problem here in Yuba Sutter counties. People say, why do we have all the addicts on the street? Why do we have those homeless? It's a government created and sponsored problem. That's what we have. And I'll talk more about it later, but Dr. Cassie and I were discussing it because we are going around the government and getting people Every week, we're getting people off the streets into rehabs. So uh, we're done with uh, half the show here. We'll be right back, and we'll do the second half of the show. Here's a few clips you should enjoy. According to the Fifth Amendment, beyond the reasonable doubt that they have a reason by a jury of your peers to remove your life, your liberty, and your property by due process, then you have lost that right. But simply passing a law 
without giving me any due process and stripping me of a right that was established by a natural right. The Constitution doesn't give me a right. I was born with that right. The Constitution protects that right. And so if you, if you violate that, you lose that right. But if I'm not violating it, you can't take it away from me without due process. Uh, doctor, you, you hit on uh, the third leading cause of death in the United States. Yeah. And I'm sure most of us could figure it's either heart-related or cancer or uh, uh, diabetes, things like that. Can you clue us into what that is and why? Uh, yeah, okay, and thank you for asking that because this is the 10,000-pound gorilla in the room that nobody's talking about. The third leading cause of death, as published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, is MD-directed treatments. This means you go to a medical doctor, an MD, he gives you a treatment and you die from it. According to the United States Department of Health and Human Services, 15,000 15,000 Medicare patients a month are killed by MD treatment, and nobody goes to jail. A handful of terrorists fly two planes into the <coughs> Twin Towers. 3,500 people die, and we go to war. But 15,000 people a month are killed by medical doctor treatments, and we don't bat an eyelash. This is because we have been... I don't want to say brainwashed, that's not the correct term, but we have been, for the last hundred years, um, kind of led into this false belief, you know, I think it was Marcus Welby that started it, that the medical doctor is king and knows everything about everything. And really, you need to just shut up and follow your medical doctor's advice. Most people in the United States have no idea at all of the history of the evolution of medicine in the United States. In the early 1900s, it was a relatively level playing field between the chiropractors, the osteopaths, the homeopaths, and the MDs. In 1915, 1920, there was something called the Flexner Report. The Carnegie Corporation funded this man named Abraham Flexner. He went all around the country, and he went on stagecoach and train and horseback. This was before the interstate highway system, right? took Flexner five years to do this. He went all around the country and did an inventory of all of the medical schools that prescribed drugs. He brought the list back to the Carnegies, who owned drug companies, and then the Carnegies and the Rockefellers gave millions of dollars of free money to the medical schools and hospitals in the United States that were prescribing drugs. That was the beginning of the end. After the Flexner report, there was no more level playing field in the United States. And the MDs started a juggernaut that's taken off. Most people in the United States think that the predominant medicine here, MD-directed pharmaceutical medicine, we think that those guys are top dog because their therapeutics are better than the homeopaths or the naturopaths or the chiropractors. It's not. They're in the driver's seat because of political and financial coalitions that were built at the turn of the century that most people have no idea of at all. And it's a gigantic problem. And, I, I mean, it's crazy, right? It's the third leading cause of death. And yet, when the government makes noise about messing with people's insurance, everybody freaks out. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole other thing to talk about, isn't it? Because what is medical insurance? When you buy medical insurance, what are you doing? You're betting 
that you're going to get so sick, you will not be able to afford it. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Right. And then, so you pay good money every month to gain access to a system of medicine that's the third leading cause of death in the United States. We need our heads examined, quite frankly. That's why we give, Dr. Wallach and myself collectively, we give 400 free lectures a year. And we're building a grassroots network because people don't know this. I mean, people, I come to my lectures and they look at me and say, couch potatoes live longer, medical doctors are the third leading cause of death. You know, what's going on here? We're mm -hmm. like we're like the people, uh, you know, in Galileo's time saying, hey, everybody, you know, it's the sun that's at the center of the solar system, not the earth. Well, hey, everybody, the earth is round, it's not flat. Or, hey, everybody, slavery's a bad thing. Right? This is a, we're, we have a social agenda here. Why do we have a social agenda? Because people are suffering needlessly. You wouldn't believe, as God is my witness, you would not believe the things that I've seen people recover from in holistic medicine. It's, the body's ability to fix itself is remarkable. And most of the mm -hmm. time, all that the body needs to do that is the raw materials that it needs to do that. And we need to stop eating food that's hurting the body. You know, if you put diesel fuel in an unleaded engine, even if it's a brand new Ferrari, it's going to run like crap if it runs at all. And there's nothing wrong with the car. It just had the wrong fuel. Mm -hmm. It's the same with the human body. You give the human body the raw materials that it needs, clean up the diet, Superman, Superwoman. And, you know, if you don't get to super status, then at least your blood pressure normalizes, at least your arthritis goes away, at least your anxiety and panic attacks go away, and you can sleep through the night. All right, I wanted to uh, read this. It's called Camels on the Horizon. Camels are on the horizon. And it says the founder of Dubai, with a name, guy named Sheikh Rashid. Some of my friends have flown through Dubai. I've just looked at it on photos. looks like an amazing place. But some of my friends have flown to India through Dubai. And said the founder of Dubai, Sheikh Rashid, was asked about the future of his country, and he replied, my grandfather rode a camel. I remember my grandmother rode a horse and a buckboard. Never did drive a car. Said my grandfather rode a camel. My father actually rode a camel. He said, I ride a Mercedes. My son rides a Land Rover. And my grandson is going to ride a Land Rover. But my great-grandson is going to have to ride a camel again. What is that, the guy said, the guy talking to him? And Rashid's uh, reply was, hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create difficult times. Many will not understand it, but you have to raise warriors not parasites. 
Now, parasites, when I read this, I thought that's politicians, parasites. In fact, that's a guy named Dan Flores who's running for uh, he, he's a supervisor and he's running for supervisor again. And and our founding fathers believe that, first of all, that if a person wanted to be paid for serving the people, that person needed to be held in question. And certainly people shouldn't make decisions on behalf of the population, cutting themselves a deal on the side or make decisions that are benefiting themselves and their friends. That's what Dan Flores does. He got on a board and uh, that, to give out loans. And uh, normally, if you're on a board, you can't self-deal. And he tried to get himself a cheap loan. And when he realized he couldn't get a cheap loan, he thought no reason to put it on this board, and he left. So it showed his motives of being on a board. So his decision-making on the board, I'll, I'll tell you, he could sell horse manure to a horse ranch honestly he could in fact when you think of selling you think well lou how come you'd sell horse manure a horse ranch doesn't a horse ranch create a lot of horse manure and they they have plenty to deal with yes that's true he sold a school that he created dan flores to our school system we pay millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to run our school system and the only thing that that school system offers, the superintendent and the teachers, is education for our kids. We do not give them money to go out and buy schools. That's ridiculous. That is totally ridiculous. Dan Flores sold manure to a horse manure ranch or to a horse ranch. That's like selling a private school to a public school selling it to them what do you, what are you really selling are you saying that we we the teachers that we've already hired the administrators that we're already paying 180 to 200 thousand dollars a year we're now going to eliminate them we sell a school we sell horse manure to a horse ranch he got four hundred and fifty thousand dollars i think for the school they the the sutter county education is paying ten thousand dollars a month for rent his, his mother-in-law works for the, the place. His wife was working for the place. And he wanted to work for the place. Get money, 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 money. And yet somebody else is going to be responsible for it. And you think he's, he didn't have his hand in other, somebody. One of my old friends that used to run a mortuary went, went on Facebook said, Oh, you wouldn't find a harder working supervisor. Listen, I don't want a hard working supervisor in itself you could say that hitler was hardworking, right you could say that um charles ponzi was a hard worker bernie madoff was a hard worker a lot of criminals have been hard workers a lot of people that ripped off our country financially they're hard workers what we wanted people of character yeah we want them to work hard that's just a common denominator. People that go to work for anybody should give a good day's work for a good day's pay. But we also need honesty. What you don't want is a hard worker who's dipping his hand in the till. And that's what you got with, with Dan Flores. He's cutting deals for himself and his friends while being on the board of supervisors and sell, selling the government everywhere you look. He has the, the government take over his school location. 
Then he goes over to a new location and he sells the school that he just moved over there to the government. And then he rents his property to the government. Listen, man, when you're on a, when you're on a board and you do so much self-dealing, that should raise somebody's eyebrows. That should be a red flag. That's why here it says some people are parasites. They're in it to suck, suck something out of it for themselves. I've, I've, I've worked with people that are so fastidious about not having the appearance. You know, th- th- there's, a, there's a saying, it says, avoid the appearance of evil. It, just, it doesn't just say avoid evil itself. It said even avoid the appearance of evil when you're in leadership because it undermines your authority and the respect for your, the job you're doing. And that's why supervisors are not supposed to meet on the side. They're supposed to do their business in public. They're not supposed to cut deals on the side because it, it's the appearance of evil. Does that mean everything they did on the side is wrong? Maybe not. I talked to a, a former supervisor the other day on the phone, and he said, well, you know, people don't understand all that goes on behind the scenes. And I said, yeah, I bet they don't because they're busy raising their kids and keeping their kids off drugs and un- not pregnant, et cetera, et cetera. But I wondered about his statement, like all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes, sometimes it shouldn't be going on behind the scenes. It should be taking place in the supervisor's chambers at night when people can attend. Do you notice that both supervisors meet during the day, some in the morning, some in midday or so, and people can't attend there. Most people are working two jobs just to support their family because of the high taxes now. So Rashid from Dubai says, many will not understand this, but you have to raise warriors, not parasites. We have a lot of parasites that are serving on our boards and councils. They're in it for themselves. They got ambition, big ambition. Power, prosperity, and it's going to come by getting on a board. That is totally 180 degrees opposite from what our founders wanted. Rashid says, and add to that the historical reality that all, all great empires, the Persians, the Trojans, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, and in later years, the British, all rose and perished within 240 years. They were not conquered by external or foreign enemies. They rotted from within. That would be a good description of our government now and a lack of morality. And I think in one of the clips today, Chris Ann Hall's saying what we have is a moral breakdown in the country. America has now passed the 240 year mark and the rot is starting to be visible and is accelerating. We are past the Mercedes and the Land Rover years. The camels are on the horizon, baby. The greatest generation consisted of 18 year old kids storming the beaches of Normandy. And now two generations later, some 18-year-old kids want to hide in safe rooms when they hear words that hurt their feelings. They also want free stuff from the government because they think they are entitled to it. The camels are on the horizon for sure. One of the questions people ask all the time is, politicians get paid a lot of money particularly those at the federal level and the state level, but federal get pretty, the most money. But still, when you're in there for 10 or 20 years, 
and you you end up with going from maybe you were a high school coach or one guy was a lawnmower salesman and I think he was an executive with Snapper or something like that. And you walk out after a number of years and you're a bazillionaire. You're worth $15 million. It happens over and over and over again. Not everybody that goes to Congress is wealthy. But they all walk away wealthy if they've been there a while. It does not come from their salary. I think I could get wealthy on their salary, but they, they live different lives than I do. I'll give you an example. From 65, 1965 to 1981, Dennis Hastert was a high school teacher and a coach at Yorkville High School in Yorkville, Illinois. He lost a 1980 bid for the Illinois House of Representatives, but ran again and won a seat in 1981. What you think about that? He served, he ended up being uh, serving as Speaker of the House, Denny Hastert. When he walked away from uh, his job when he retired, about 20 years later, he was worth $17 million. This is a high school wrestling coach, teacher and coach. He walked away 20 years after getting the job. And he had $17 million. Now, he's the guy that ended up being busted by the government, taking $50,000 in cash repeatedly out of his account to pay off young men that were extorting him because he molested him when he was a coach. Denny Hastert. I think he's alive today, but he's very ill. My point in this, not to talk about his moral uh, misfit, but to to talk to you about the, the amount of money that he he made on the side. I'm talking about guys like Dan Flores, who's who's running for office again and has competition finally. How about Harry Reid? Remember Dirty Harry Reid, Dingy Harry? I think they called, Rush Limbaugh used to call him Dingy Harry. Harry Reid, Mormon, um, and he's an, he was an attorney from Nevada. And uh, he ended up being the head of the Senate. For many, many years. How did Harry Reid manage to grow his net worth so significantly while raising a large family on a public official salary and incurring the expenses associated with managing two residences on opposite sides of the country? Reid did live frugally, but and before buying a house in recent years, he kept just a trailer in his hometown of Searchlight, Nevada. And he has made undeniably savvy investments. More significantly, however, is his willingness to enter political and ethnic, eth- ethical gray areas to make money. Uh, I'm trying to think. Reed ended up being worth. Let me see here if I can find it really quickly here. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, $10 million. He was worth $10 million after a life of quote-unquote public service. In 1998, Reed invested $400,000 in an underdeveloped residential property located on the outskirts of Las Vegas. Reed's partners in the deal was attorney Jay Brown, whom um, a writer describes as a master manipulator. Reed transferred his share of the property to a company Brown controlled in 2001. By transferring the land to Brown's firm, Reed avoided legal liability and some taxes. But Reed didn't note the transfer or that he had 
any stake in the company in his financial disclosure forms, despite rules requiring such transfers to be reported. By 2004, okay, you with me? We went to 1998, he invested $400,000. Let's just go from 1998, right, to 2004, six years. In six years, in 2004, Brown's company sold the land, which had been rezoned for a shopping center, and Reed received $1.1 million off a $400,000 investment in six years. Reed reported the sale as if he had always had control of the property. When Associated Press asked Reed about the deal during a 2006 interview, he hung up on them. When some of Reed's most lucrative deals involved while some of Reed's most lucrative deal involved land, he also benefited from investments in stocks. This is interesting, and this is uh, uh, people have written entire books about all this. And still, do you know that if you play third base for the Boston Red Sox or for any professional team, or you play on the Golden State Warriors or any professional team, you're not allowed to gamble on. You're not allowed to bet on on your games. If they're not allowed to bet on their games, why do we allow senators and congressmen to buy and sell stocks that they make decisions on whether the company stocks are going to go up and down? Near the end of 2005, Reed invested $50,000 and $100,000 in Dow Jones U.S. Energy Sector Fund, which held shares in several major oil companies. According to National Review, the fund closed at $29.15, $29 on the day Reed purchased it. In other words, he purchased it at $29 a share in round figures. Three years later, in August 2008, Reed sold some of his shares, which closed that day at $41, almost $42. So he went from about $30 to $42. That's that's amazing amount of growth in three years. Two months later, Reed's supported legislation that would cost oil companies billions in taxes and regulatory fees. It passed. The energy sec- sector fund that he sold for $42 crashed to 24 which is less than what he purchased it for. You see what I'm talking about in an insider knowledge and insider trading. That's what we're getting. We call these people parasites. While six-figure investments and million-dollar deals most greatly impacted Reed's wealth, he also managed to save money through some of the perks that come with being the most powerful politician in Nevada and the U.S. Senate, for that matter. There is kind of a pattern. He'll do something pretty bold. There'll be a lot of publicity about it, and then they'll step back into the shadows. But then it'll do it again observed the writer. It's not as if somebody has made a mistake, learned from it, and it never happens again. It just keeps on happening. So I just want to, I could, I could, we could do 100, 200, 300 people that do this type of stuff because it, they allow themselves to, right? They, they, do you know that the supervisors vote themselves raises? Politicians vote themselves raises. Politicians vote themselves raises in a variety of ways, not only the salary, but also in what we call uh, per diem money, money that they, they pay out to eat, stay places, run around in cars. They don't pay any of their, did you know they don't pay any of their own gas bill? 
So do you think, oh, how come they aren't concerned about the gas prices? Because they're not paying it. You are paying their gas bill. It's a total ripoff. They're called parasites, people. And when you get people into there for, for the wrong reason, we have supervisors that are there for the wrong reasons. And, and, uh, and they justify getting money from big developers and then turn around and vote for the development after they got thousands of dollars from the developer. And then they claim it didn't have any impact on them. You should read some of my articles that are showing up in the territorial dispatch in the next few weeks, or just I'll post them online um, on my no hostages radio uh, com, And uh, you can read some of the, I talk about this where uh, Gavin Newsom's wife runs a nonprofit to help equity issues in films. So she got about $800,000 from some big corporate donors like PG&E. And those donors also gave lots of money to Gavin Newsom's fight against his recall. He says the money that they gave to my wife had no influence on my support of them or from contracts I gave them due to COVID. Had no, no impact. Really? I tell people, you know, if you want to impress me, you could give me a tuna sandwich, a cup of coffee. It'd have influence over my life or what I think about you. But yet $800,000 does not like blow his hair back. So um, that's just something to think about. So I just want to remind you when, when you have a politician that's so slick that you can sell horse manure to a horse ranch, you got somebody going on right there. And that's what they did when, when uh, Dan Flores sold Tom Russer a school. When his, home, his own business, his only business, Tom Russer, in life is schools. He does not like repair cars. He does not do hope and heart surgery. He does not farm. He does not do marriage counseling. All he does is run a school, and he couldn't even set up a school. And now kids that used to be able to get medical assisting certificates for $4,000, they tell me are spending four times that through the Sutter County Schools. You know, one of the reasons we pay such a fantastic amount of taxes for schools is that they're supposed to be free or very low cost. That's not low cost, folks. We'll be right back. We'll come into our fifth segment. Money. No money. 
Last week, a jury acquitted two men of all charges in a plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer because it was clear that the FBI set the whole thing up. While it is surprisingly good news to hear of their acquittal, it is not strange to hear of the FBI setting people up. They've been doing it for generations. During the late 60s, FBI informant Tommy the Traveler traveled to colleges throughout the U.S posing as a student protester. He encouraged nonviolent activists to make Molotov cocktail explosives out of gasoline and successfully convinced two students at Hobart College to firebomb a campus ROTC building. Joseph Burton was hired and funded by the FBI to start a group of Maoist radicals that was deployed to the 1972 Republican convention to encourage peaceful demonstrators to topple a bus and blow it up. The bomb that killed six people at the World Trade Center in 1993 was built with the help of FBI informant Imad Salem. After the bombing, the FBI paid Salem over a million dollars to recruit others in a plot to blow up other targets in New York City. After the 9-11 attacks, the FBI went public with their long secret tradition of entrapment. In 2004, FBI informant Elda Woody was paid $100,000 to gain the trust of Shawar Siraj, become his mentor, and turned the conversation towards planning acts of violent terrorism. For months before his arrest, Siraj is on record politely trying to say no. In 2006, FBI informant Ali Assad was paid $85,000 to bully followers of a cult-like group called the Seas of David to swear allegiance to Al-Qaeda, which is all they needed to give five of them long jail sentences. In 2008, FBI informants Brandon Darby and Andrew Darst brought Molotov cocktails to the RNC, 
In 2012, five men in Cleveland were directed and groomed by the FBI to discuss the bombing of a bridge. In 2015, a week before actual terrorists Elton Simpson and Nadir Hamid Sufi opened fire on a crowd of people in Garland, Texas, an FBI agent commented, tear up Texas on their social media. That same FBI agent was dressed in Middle Eastern garb and drove behind the perpetrators on their way to the attack. The FBI claim that this is a coincidence. These are only a few of the instances that we know of. There are many more. The FBI has a long history of unchecked criminal activity. So it is no surprise to hear that the FBI planned the Governor Whitmer kidnapping. That is what they do. What is surprising is that the people are starting to wake up. And that's good, because there are still hundreds of innocent Americans rotting away in jail for the so-called insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, another obvious false flag executed by the corrupt U.S. Department of Justice. And these same crooked liars are busy trying to lie and deceive us all into a nuclear war with the rest of the world. So it is a very good time for the people to start waking up. Our lives will likely depend on it. segment number five i want to mention a couple other people that make this uh, make my world go around by the way uh, for those of you that listen to the live show called live with lou we uh, i got word that the board since we had the utility spike power spike and blew up our board here a few weeks ago maybe it's been a month or two ago now uh, I just heard that we got new parts and they put them together and and so so we'll be able to record the live show. Some of you are concerned about that and uh, some anyway, things are back to normal, they say over there. So we should be good to go. I want to mention a couple other people. I talked about Dr. Joe Cassidy and listen, if you have addiction issues from smoking to meth to uh, any kind of uh, narcotics, alcohol, we can help you. There's all kinds of resources, and uh, the government is horrible. Part of the problem we have all the addicts on the street is the government. If the government got paid on how many people they got into rehabs and were successful, instead of like just sitting there and and uh, eating their tuna sandwich and cup of coffee, and if a, if they helped somebody, great. If they didn't help anybody that day, same. Got paid the same. If, if the I'm telling you, if we turn all the addicts on the street over to private industry and paid them, just like when I went to work in, in the Peaches, my first job was driving tractor. They paid people by the bin. And I'm telling you, you want to see some people fill bins fast? Those dudes could work, man. I've never seen harder workers in my life. Peace work. People work hard. And you give people salary and they may not work or they, they may just think you get paid for breathing. And that's what's going on in our behavioral health over here in Yuba City. They are, they are blocking. They are a bottleneck keeping addicts on the streets instead of getting them into rehab. There's rehab beds all up and down this valley. 
and we got people sleeping on the ground, loaded on heroin, loaded on meth, walking up and down the street naked. We got a we got a mental health ward right in Marysville here, outdoor. Dr. Cassidy and I'll help you get off the street. You can call Peachtree Health at 530-749-3242, 749-3242. I know it's a pain to go through their auto attendance system. If you if you get through it, just ask for Dr. Cassidy and they say why just say addiction, get an appointment. If you can't get through that auto attendance system, I have sympathy for you. I have fought that system myself. If it doesn't work the day that you call, forget it. I'm going to give you another couple numbers. Doctor, you can dial Dr. Cassidy's number and you can text him, right? Don't call him, text him. 530-682-8648. If, if you don't think you're getting a call fast enough, call me up day or night or text me day or night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can, you can text Cassidy seven days a week. We will work, our, we'll do our very best to get you medicated, get you in, get you checked over, get you healthy, solve some of your other health issues, and get you into a rehab, inpatient, outpatient, whatever. 530, my number, 530-713-1838. That's Lou Benninger, 530-713-1838. Just leave me a message. Sometimes I'm on the phone. Don't freak out. Just leave a message or text me. I'll call you back. I'm not going to leave you hanging. We both call people back. Cassidy's more busier than I am. He's seeing patients several days a week. We'll help you. Okay. The other people that are helping us tremendously is Thrifty Rooter. And uh, I'm telling you, I love plumbers because I'm using them all the time. I use electricians, carpenters. I got people, I got, I've had people knock the glass out of my house, vandalize things, do crazy stuff over here. I'm sure they, they don't mean harm by it, but they throw stuff through the windows. It's unbelievable. Thrifty Rooter will solve your plumbing problems. They're geniuses, these guys. They figure out how they can make all the water go the right direction and not boil over on you. And, and, or if the water disappears and you can't get any water, they will find it. They will find the water and get it back to the right place. I guarantee it. You can go on their website at thriftyrooter.com, not, not U.S., not org, but .net thriftyrooter.net they got all a list of whole things they do you'll be shocked at all the things they do i don't think they have marriage counseling listed there or, or they don't they don't counsel adolescents but i'll tell you they'll send little guys down down your your pipes and go in there and find out exactly what's wrong with those pipes and and tell you what it's going to take to fix it thriftyrooter.net they will get to you quick they're all over town they got vans running everywhere and they also got the big rigs that can pump your septic system. So call 530-673-8201. You know why I think they're great? Because the same people have run it for over 40 years. You do not stay in business in a small community like this if you do people wrong. They've done a lot of people right, and they're trustworthy, and they're and you can count on them getting the job done, Thrifty Rooter. And so that's Bill and Carla Artemenko. They're the same people, they didn't. They haven't gone through six hands. You, you go down the street, under new management, under new management, hanging over a restaurant or over this business. It's under new management. This isn't under new management. This is the management that's been there for years, 530-673-8201. Or you can go on their website if you're techie, and you can just type in all your information right there and just press go. Go get them. 
and it will it will send over to their dispatchers. They got dispatchers just like the 911 system. They're just waiting to solve your problem. So check them out and um, get some help from them. Okay, let's see. Where are we? I've lost my mind here today. Okay, I'm going to play you a short clip. This is about if you've been you've heard about the Great Reset. This is uh, if you have a real heavy older German man talking. This is Klaus Schwab, and this is his top advisor, Noah Harari. And this is this is behind the entire covid pandemic, all the shyster, all the lies, all the manipulations and the takeover of the global governments. This is where it's coming from. And here's some clips uh, that I want to play for you and then we'll come back. Okay, right now. The biggest question in maybe in economics and politics of the coming decades will be what to do with all these useless people. People could look back in a hundred years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin. Especially surveillance under the skin. With all the current issues on our agenda, we tend to forget that we are in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution, which accelerates global change in much more comprehensive and faster ways than the previous three revolutions. You don't have any answer in the Bible what to do when humans are no longer useful to the economy. You need completely new ideologies, completely new religions, and they are likely to emerge from Silicon Valley or from Bangalore and not from uh, uh, the Middle East. And they are likely to, pro to give people visions based on technology. Everything that the old religions promised, uh, happiness and justice and even eternal life, but here on earth with the help of technology and not after death with the help of some supernatural being. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Free will, that's over. That's over. You can hack them. We have all this still myth of free will, that everything we choose is of our own free will. And this is a myth that served us well for a couple of centuries, but now it's becoming dangerous. I mean, all this story about Jesus rising from the dead and being the son of God, this is fake news. Wait, that's not true? Maybe in a couple of decades when people look back, the thing they will remember from the COVID crisis is this is the moment when everything went digital. And if, this, is, this was the moment when every, everything became monitored that we agreed to be surveyed all, all the time, not just in authoritarian machines, but even in democracies. And maybe most importantly at all, this was the moment when surveillance started going under the skin. History is truly at a turning point. We do not yet know the full extent and the systemic and structural changes which will happen. However, we do know that global energy systems, food systems and supply chains 
will be deeply affected. All right, I hope that brings some sobriety to you. Sober-minded, the Bible calls it sober-mindedness. doesn't mean that you're not under the influence of alcohol. It just means that you're, you're thinking things through, and it's serious. What you're hearing there are people that think of life, about life, lots different than most of the people listening to this show. And the importance is that you need to stand up from wherever you are and get involved, whether it's at your school board, any of the commissions, any of the planning commission, any commission you can get on that are running your community, you need to be there. You need to go to the meetings, you need to watch the agendas, and you need to respond and speak to those in any way that you can. If you're on the radio, you have a podcast, you can write letters to the editor, you can write your assembly person, or you can go speak. Listen, people, it's your country do with it what you want. I'll say that again. It's your country. You do with it what you want. And you either we're, we're going to be turning this thing over and letting our kids drive a Range Rover, or we're going to be back to camels. And it's not looking too good. And uh, I'm talking about stuff here. Every time we speak here, we're talking about real stuff, serious stuff that's either going to cost you your assets, they're taking away your property. Klaus Schwab, who is the old German guy speaking, The Global Reset, he wrote a book about it, says The Global Reset. It's already it's in the United Nations documents, Agenda 2023 and Agenda, 20, Agenda 21. They're, you will not own anything. They will remove it. They don't worry about... Northern California burning down all the forests, paradise burning down. It didn't blow their hair back in Sacramento. They don't want people living up in those foothills. They want them to live in the urban areas. They don't care about Northern California. In fact, I wrote an article. Do you realize that the COVID funds that came out to the communities, the, the rural conservative communities got about 40 to 45% less money per capita per person than urban areas. You think, oh, well, there's more problems in urban areas. No, it has nothing to do with more problems in urban areas. They say, oh, well, there's more COVID in densely populations. No, that's not, that didn't prove out at all. They have all the statistics. There were some more, in some of the rural areas had more health problems. They gave like $192 or $97 per person in urban areas and about $104 or $6 per person in rural areas. Did you know that? And Gavin Newsom actually chose to punish rural areas that didn't cooperate. So if, if uh, for instance, Atwater and Colinga, two cities that passed resolutions that they weren't going to follow the mandate and businesses should stay open, that's what we should have done here. The people issuing the checks to the communities didn't give any to Atwater and Coalinga until a lady named Ellen Howell, who is the state auditor, says you can't do that. You can't punish them when they need money to deal with this COVID problem. And she said, you guys didn't treat every city equitably. In other words, if the, I can't remember. I, I listed the number of cities in my article. 376 or 400 something cities she said did you check every city out and see what they all did and they couldn't answer that yes in fact one city called imperial 
There's a, the county of Imperial, but then there's a city called Imperial. They also passed a resolution and didn't shut down, and they got COVID money. So this excuse that our boards of supervisors and city council say, well, we had to comply or we wouldn't have got any money, it didn't pan out that way, boys. You blew it. Why don't you just admit you screwed the whole city up, screwed your county up, because you don't have the balls to say to your fellow constituents with a straight face, I'm sorry I ruined your business and your kid k- killed himself over it. Or you re- or your son relapsed because I could I stopped him from going to a to a AA, AA or NA meeting. Oh yeah, supervisors are really smart. They did, they just shut down all the AA NAs, all the recovery meetings, thinking, "Oh, it's just it's we really don't need that. We could do without that." Right? Shut down the mental health Send all the mental health people home to get paid and then talk to each other by Zoom. We helped a lot of people. People killed themselves. Like, no big deal. No big deal. You know, these people think, oh, yeah, I'm more righteous than the Bill Gateses of the world or these people are talking about genocide. Not really. You let people, you know, it's interesting to me. They think it's humane, humane to let people shoot heroin and lay in their own excrement. While you fund it by giving them dis, you know, Cal Fresh or general assistance, and you won't arrest them and put them into a rehab called the Yuba County Jail. Yeah, it's a rehab. We they have medical professionals there to sober people up, get people off drugs, settle their system down, treat their diabetes, treat their high blood pressure, get them normalized, talk to them about their lives and get them out to a rehab. It's the biggest rehab in town, the Yuba County Jail. But the politicians say, oh, well, we can't just, uh, we don't want our sheriff, we don't want to arrest them. We want to, we want to let them have the freedom to live where they want. That is not freedom. And that when you're addicted to drugs, you don't have freedom. You're in bondage big time. And when you're diseased, that is not humane. You know, it's a lady. It's a, everybody ought to study, uh, read a book or two by Mother Teresa or Sister Teresa. She made a name for herself when the people of India, with their spiritual beliefs, would allow people that are sick and homeless to just lay and die on the streets and animals chew them up and flies land all over them and sit on them all day. And she went in there and picked them up and cleaned them off and brought them into her her housing and and let them die with dignity, clean and being fed and taken care of and shown love. We don't do any of that here. We treat people like crap. Let them lay in their crap. You can drive down e, D Street in Marysville, E Street in Marysville, people laying in doorways totally out of their mind. They're not high. They're mentally ill now because they're taking the new meth which blows people totally out of their mind. It's just incredible. And yet our we think it's somehow humane to give them a, a sack lunch or some cash to get high. That's humane. What, what is humane is you arrest them for violating the laws of our city which are like, remember back in the days, vagrancy. I, I was, as a chaplain of Marisol Police, we used to 
ride around and stop and talk to people on the streets that obviously had nowhere to live. And we'd say, you, you need to get into a hotel room. You cannot camp in Marysville and you can't urinate on the street and use our, this place as a bathroom. You're welcome to be here, but you can't stay here. And, and they would cite people and book them. I was with cops. We booked them. And that's a good thing. When I worked in the jail, we helped so many people and got them off heroin, got them, got them out of prostitution, got them straightened out, got them stabilized, treated their illnesses. It's unbelievable. And yet people say, oh, well, you know, it's unkind to arrest somebody. No, it isn't. It's saving their life in a great many cases. It's saving somebody's life. Many of my friends have been in prison and jail, and they got saved from a bad ending, their whole life would have been wiped out if they hadn't, if someone hadn't cared. Police officers are some of the biggest intervention people we have in our community, biggest caring people in our community. It's, it's just a, it, the craziness of which we, it, we we're calling bad good and good bad now. It's crazy. All right, I want to uh, let me give a shout out to the plumbing doctor. Ted Holmes is going to be running a project at the E Street. We've been fixing this E Street project up. It's a big hundred year old building. If you want to help, you can give me a call at five three zero seven one three one eight three eight. We've got a bunch of volunteers rehabbing the sevenplex on E Street in in Marysville, and we're going to be working this Saturday. And Ted Holmes, who runs the plumbing doctor, is going to be heading it up. We've had the plumbing doctor over there this week installing a tub and shower surround and new toilets and trying to fix this place up. So I'll talk more about them when I come back, but we're going to take a break and then we'll be back for our last segment. Hi, my name is Zachary. Before I speak, I would like to take a moment of silence and give thanks to the Pakachikawaka tribe that really owned this land before I had the privilege to speak on it. It was a wonderful people. They loved laughing, dancing, and making jewelry before they were um, beheaded, slaughtered, and buried alive. Uh, my preferred pronouns are he, ha, ho, who, hmm, ziza, ze, zip, zap, zap, which was the indigenous pronouns and of course bra um i'm feeling grateful scared happy nervous anxious confused and ambiguous uh my trauma is ptsd i have social general non-specified anxiety uh depression low grade middle grade and high grade my trauma healing involves cognitive behavioral therapy i have a service dog and i have a service hamster for my service dog i'm doing emdr healing and brunch and yes okay Okay, so uh, now I would like to order a six-inch meatball sub with uh, provolone, a ginger ale, and oh, I think I do uh, a coupon here for 10% off. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you need to order? I'm sorry. Okay, this white gentleman behind me is microaggressing me, so I guess I'll just get my sub and be out of here and call my therapist. <laughs> 
This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. The abortion industry is going tobacco on the American public. For decades, the tobacco industry hid the health risks of smoking and secondhand smoke. They funded research that protected their profits and suppressed research revealing the truth. The abortion industry is doing the same. The Centers for Disease Control relies on information funded by the abortion industry. The FDA relied on data from the abortion industry to eliminate crucial patient safeguards on the chemical abortion pill. And mainstream media outlets eagerly repeat spoon-fed abortion industry talking points. Eventually, truth won out and America came to realize the health dangers of smoking. Let's pray they soon understand the deadly truth behind abortion. Two industries with lots of death on their hands. Follow us on Twitter at Life Issues USA and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Is your property yours? Not if government takes it, and it can for what it calls public use. Eminent domain law has long allowed politicians to grab your property to build roads, railroad tracks, border walls, which helps explain why President Trump told Brett Baer. I think eminent domain is wonderful. I get it that a highway or a border wall is public use. But 13 years ago, the Supreme Court ruled that New London, Connecticut could bulldoze this little pink house to make room for a new business development. Eminent domain. They can take your home, they can take your land. In the soon-to-be-released movie, Catherine Keener plays Suzette Kilo, the owner of that little pink house, here learning that she has no right to her own property. How could somebody break into my house and take everything I have and go to jail? Oh, you could shoot them. I could shoot them. I could kill them. But if they want the whole thing, it's perfectly legal. The law does require the government to give you fair value for your property. But the bureaucrats decide what fair value is. Mrs. Kilo, I have great news. They've agreed to increase their offer by $10,000. Suzette Kilo didn't want the money. She wanted to keep her home. But the government said no. So the bulldozers came. Ninety families left. Suzette and six others refused to leave. While this was going on, I interviewed the real-life Kilo. We were backed into corners like animals in a corner. I gave the city's lawyer a hard time about that. Any group of politicians can kick you out of your home. Well, that's true. But that's true if you want to put up a road, for example. The question is, is this serving an important public purpose? And we say it is. It's given them a lot of power. Yes, that's true. A libertarian law firm, the Institute for Justice, took Suzette's case all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, where Justice Sandra Day O'Connor pushed back against the taking. Say you had a Motel 6, and the city says, well, if we had a Ritz-Carlton, we would have higher taxes. Now, is that okay? Yes, Your Honor, that would be okay. So you can take from A to give to B if B pays more taxes? If it is a significant amount, yes. Suzette's lawyer responded this way. The one thing that all poor neighborhoods share is that they don't produce much tax revenue. If the court affirms the lower court's decision, then you would put poor neighborhoods and working-class neighborhoods like Fort Trumbull in jeopardy. He was right, but the Supreme Court ruled five to four against Suzette. U.S. Supreme Court today affirmed the power of local governments to seize private property. The decision alarmed people across America. Some states passed laws limiting their politicians' right to grab your property. 
In New London, people rallied around Suzette. Thank you all for fighting so hard. But that fight was over. They'd lost. Years later, I went with Suzette Kilo to look at the place New London said was going to be a booming development. These are my stairs, and, um, and I had a long porch, and this is where the house was. The city said they had to tear the houses down because development would happen. Tax revenues, all kinds of cool new things, and yet this is what they got. No hotel or upscale housing, no conference center, no nothing. Kilo's house has been torn down and the lot where it once stood is vacant. It's still empty. Even today, 13 years later, there's no development. It's just unused land. The politicians were wrong. This new movie is a good reminder of just how powerful and wrong politicians often are. Okay, we're into our last segment tonight, and uh, I want to mention a couple people that uh, that are helping us stay on the air, stay on the uh, podcast wave. And I was talking about the plumbing doctor. If you need, uh, they serve Yuba Sutter counties, and if you need a plumber, they do it 24 hours a day. And and uh, my friend Ted runs that operation, and he's been in this area as a contractor. He's a contractor's license, plus he's a runs a plumbing operation. And as I mentioned, we're a bunch of the guys that I'm mentioning here uh, are helping us work on this building that we're going to use to house young people. I'm talking about kids that are young adults uh, to be future leaders. And we're training them locally, but they come from out of the area. So we're going to house them in the sevenplex and we're fixing it up. It's, e Street is the main drag of Marysville, and this building has been there for they say, some people say, over 100 years. And we're fixing it up to really looking nice. And going to do the interior as well. So it'll be a really nice place for everybody to stay and secure for them. So Ted Holmes of the Plumbing Doctors heading that up. 530-671-9111. They got dispatchers as well there. I know Thrifty Rooter and the Plumbing Doctor are always looking for people that want to be in the plumbing business. i tell you what. Those plumbers, that's a great trade. All my friends that are in the trades, they're, they're like masons and concrete workers and painters and plumbers and electricians, and they just take good care of their family with that kind of trade, and they don't have to go through four years of stupid education at the universities. All that wasted stuff, learning about crazy things, things that don't make any sense and don't help you in life. So uh, also Greenitz Construction, Dave Greenitz and his wife just finished an incredible play. Uh, last night, I was at the last night of it and just really enjoyed it. Got a front seat. I just, there was an empty seat right in front. Got up there and got a close seat and got to see a lot of really cool performances and great music. And uh, so if you ever want to get in on those and you want to know when they're happening, if you call Church of Glad Tidings at 530-671-3160, they will actually put you on an email list that whenever there's a new drama coming up, which they do a couple a year, some of them are uh, 
dinner theaters. Some of them are just theaters. 530-671-3160. They will put you on an email list, and they'll just say, hey, got this thing coming up. Or you can look on the website at churchofgladtidings.com. They've been doing plays out there, the Greenitz. Dave Greenitz, the contractor, he's coordinating building all the sets, and his wife does the painting of the sets, coordinates the painting and design. And then uh, there's a whole team of people to do the writing, and uh, a guy named Ronnie Rollins does the music. It's just, it's really cool. So there's some of, the, I think there were a couple hundred people there last night. It was a small, smaller gathering for the size of building we have out there. But uh, I think they did it for, let's see, Sunday, started Sunday night, Sunday, Monday, too. They did four, four evening shows. So they have another show that'll come up. I'm not sure what's all the way to the winter time or not but uh, you can keep posted all right and also uh, dave greenitz as i mentioned if you want to his i'm just looking at one of his uh facebook posts today of his uh, bathroom and uh just gorgeous and you can check those photos out at greenitzconstruction.com that's green with etz on the end you can look on his Facebook page at Dave Greenitz Construction or on his website at greenitzconstruction.com. You can sneak in there. You can peek around. You don't have to talk to him. You don't have to make a commitment. You can even email him, send him a text or something off that off that platform, or you could dial him up or text him at 530-682-9602. 530-682-9602. I, I know some of the subcontractors he use, like Davy Construction, Davy Painting. They are amazing. They're involved in the E Street project, and uh, so if you want to help, I just recruited a guy that I I kind of crossed paths with at Father's First a week ago, and I was asking him what he was doing. He said, "Oh, I'm trimming out houses in these new housing projects." So I called him. Uh, I, w- I don't want to mention his name, but uh, I called him today and I said, "Hey, we need some doors trimmed out, and uh, can you help us?" He said, "I'll be there. I'm going to come trim out your doors for you, do some trim work for you inside. They do the finish work on these brand new homes down in Roseville or somewhere down Sacramento, something." So that's GreenwichConstruction.com. If you want the best, you can wait for it. Wait for the best. And uh, man, I just hate to p- pay good money and you don't get good quality, right? If you you know, I like to buy good things that last a long time and uh, are good quality, and and I don't mind paying for it. So, but it's it's a bummer when you get something poor quality when you paid good quality, right? So uh, also, I want to mention what you know. Every time I drive a car right now, I think of Monty Hecker with Elite Universal Security because there's just people everywhere misbehaving, and there's people breaking in. Um, I just saw where in San Francisco, Target is now cutting all their hours back to six o'clock at night. They just can't. People just come in and steal stuff. They just take stuff off the shelves and walk out and beat up their employees uh, that we've had. I think 17 Walgreens have shut down in all. They just left. They didn't even close their hours. Walgreens, 17 stores in San Francisco. That's a big presence in San Francisco. They are gone, baby. They like shut their doors and said, we sold a lot of products, but at the end of the day, they stole more than we could sell. So they're gone. And, uh, and people are just getting their, their cars stolen. They're getting their, uh, as my friends call them, their catalytic, their, I can't even say it, their Cadillac converter. They don't call it catalytic converter. A lot of people say, man, Lou, I got my Cadillac converter stolen. 
You can get your car stolen, your Cadillac converter stolen off your car, ruin your car, and stealing everything. They're stealing everything. Farmers are getting stuff stolen. They're dumping garbage on their property, dumping trailers on their property, chemicals on their property. If you want some help with stopping all this stuff, we just had a break-in at Glad Tidings and uh, stole a bunch of stuff. We got cameras. They aren't good enough. Uh, all you can tell that the guy wasn't a monkey. You could tell. I think he was a human. You could see. But you couldn't tell much. It was like horrible. Elite Universal Security will help you keep your stuff, your stuff. And uh, they're also looking for guards. They'll train you, but uh, they'll they'll keep your stuff, your stuff. Elite Universal Security, whether you're government, business, farming, industry, any kind of industry, they do all kinds of work. And they started in Yuba County, but they've expanded all over Northern California. It's a veteran-run business, military veteran uh, you can reach them at 530-749-0280, 530-749-0280. It's Monty Hecker, runs it, and uh, he's been doing it for many, many moons. He started this business. Isn't that great? These people are, these. this is what the soul of America, these are all business owners, local business owners. They had an idea. They created the idea. They came, brought it to fruition. They take all the responsibility for it. They got a lot of risk in the business, but they put the business together. And so you can get a, be a part of it. If you want to work part-time, I think if you're a plumber even, and uh, you're retired, but you're bored to death and you want to do 10 hours a week, a couple days a week, I bet Thrifty Rooter or the Plumbing Doctor would take you on, and I know Monty would take on part-timers as well. So you could check out his website at EliteUniversalSecurity.com or your web, his training website at API-Academy.com. Okay? So uh, let's see. I want to talk something. A couple professors. Let's see. Oh, there's so much to talk about. My goodness, there's just so many cool things to talk about that, that are going on. Let me see if I can get down. Uh, oh, by the way, San Francisco is paying uh, criminals to not shoot each other, 500 a month. So if you're thinking about shooting your buddy, go down there and call the mayor. So I think I'm going to start shooting people. I heard if I could state that, and I have guns, that you will actually... Uh, Give me $500 or so. All right. Uh, here, here's the deal about Target stores. Actually, also, 7-Eleven. A 7-Eleven is closing now at 10 o'clock. It's going to have to be 7-10. 7-Eleven at Drum Street in the Financial District of San Francisco only does business through a metal door. You hear me? We, we have mass hysteric hysteria on the streets of it's a jungle on the streets of san francisco that's happening in mary's own yuba city folks we're just a step away from it people stealing out of the walgreens right across the street from me all the time before a customer can come inside they must ring a bell to let them know you are outside manager bobby singh said in a statement this window was installed like two or three months ago he said because it was not safe sometimes they would break the glass right out of the door 
said according to Walgreens, theft in San Francisco stores is four times more than the average store across the country. The company also stated they spend 35 times more on hiring security personnel for its stores in San Francisco. In the past five years, Walgreens closed 17 different locations in the Bay Area. I mean, that's serious, man. People are getting their uh, pharmaceutical products from their, their prescriptions. Or says some people say, I, I went over there and got me a subscription. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where my, I two, had two stories about professors. I thought it was so cool. Um, okay, <clears throat> so we have one professor that uh, after the George Floyd shooting, I thought I had it here. Yeah, professor was suspended after refusing to grade students based on race. In other words, if you're a black kid, you got a better grade for being stupid. So uh, this is at UCLA, y'all, Californians, case of UCLA accounting professor. This is accounting. I took accounting at Yuba College. They were two tough classes. This woman taught them. She was a great lady. She was hardcore. And I didn't understand accounting. I thought, man, this is hard. My brain's like tweaking. Accounting professor Gordon Klein at UCLA illustrates just how effective the left's crusade to normalize their pretend narrative in America has been. The pretend narrative is black people deserve everything for free because they got somebody sometime hundreds of years ago did something to somebody. On June 2nd, 2020, just one week after the May 25th death of George Floyd. While in the custody of Minneapolis police officers, a group of students who described themselves as non-black sent an email to Klein at the UCLA asking that he grant greater leniency to black students. In other words, they could be stupid and get a good grade. So um, Newsweek reports that according to Klein, the email began, we are writing to express our tremendous concern about the impact that the final exam and project would have on the mental and physical health of our black classmates. They needed a safe space and a little warm milk and a blankie. Several experts from the email were published. The students requested that Gordon offer a no harm final exam. In other words, you just take it and you get a good grade no matter what you did. They could only... They needed to get these kids some benefits. They were traumatized by George's trouble. So another read that due to recent traumas, we have been placed in a position where we must choose between actively supporting our black friends and focusing on finishing up our spring quarter. I hate that when those decisions come in my life. We believe that remaining neutral in times of injustice brings power to the oppressor and therefore staying silent is not an option. Anyway, on and on it goes. They were asking the students to have special treatment, and which is clearly a violation of the law. It was a misguided request from the start, and the mocking tone of Klein's reply pointed out the students' sheer lunacy, the article said. Now, here's what Klein said. Thanks. I love this guy. I love this guy. Thanks for your suggestion in your email below that I give black students special treatment given the tragedy in Minnesota. Do you know the names of the classmates that are black? How can I identify them since we've been having uh, online classes only? And there are there any students that may be of mixed parentage, such as half black, half Asian, Klein asks. He then says, 
Why do you suggest that? What do I suggest? What do you what do you want me to do with respect to them? A full concession or just half? Also, do you have any idea if any students are from Minneapolis? I assume that they probably are especially devastated. I'm thinking that a white student from there might be possibly even more devastated by this, especially because some might think that they're racist, even if they are not. My teaching assistant is from Minneapolis. So if you don't know, I can probably ask her. Can you guide me on how you think I should achieve a no harm outcome since our sole course grade is from the final exam only? One last thing strikes me. Remember the MLK famously said that people should not be evaluated based on the color of their skin. Do you think that your request would run afoul of MLK's admonition? Less than a week later, UCLA place Gordon on uh, leave. Gordon Klein on leave due to his woeful, they called it woefully racist response, what I just read you, woefully racist. The university issued a statement which said of Klein's, that Klein's classes have been reassigned to other faculty while they conduct a review of the incident. Yes, a spokesman for UCLA said in September 2020 a statement that Klein had then been reinstated the following June. It said Klein continues with his regular duties due to confidentiality and privacy laws and concerns. We are unable to comment further on the matter. So Klein teaches at the Anderson School of Management. He filed a lawsuit against the university. The filing states that he brings this action not only to redress the wrongful conduct he has endured, but also to protect academic freedom. So he won his lawsuit. Okay. And then another fellow, God bless him, not in California. He refused to use preferred pronouns and he uh, got into a scrap with a student. This is at Shawnee State University professor who refused to use preferred pronouns of a biological male. In other words, a biological male student wanted to be called a female, like called her. Um, so philosophy professor Nicholas Merriweather settled with the university after filing a lawsuit in November 2018, alleging that the school violated his religious freedom and First Amendment rights. He was defended by Allowance Defending Freedom. So if you need somebody to defend you, Alliance Defending Freedom won this guy $400,000. So Meriwether, who was willing to call this guy uh, by uh, a proper name, like Sir, uh, or other alternatives, but he wasn't going to call him something he wasn't. So Meriwether can choose when to use or avoid titles and pronouns when addressing students per the university settlement. Meriwether, who taught at the school since 1996, always referred to his students using sir, ma'am, mister, or miss. A biological male student approached a professor requesting that he use a female pronoun for him, and he said, ain't going to do it. That's what he said to him, ain't going to do it. And so... This school had a meltdown, and so the teacher sued him, and then they wrote him a check for $400,000. Do you realize that Oberlin College, which was once, I think they talked about this last week maybe, uh, it was launched by Christian abolitionists for 
blacks to go to college, Oberlin, now is a radically left school, no Christian faith. And some of their people stole a bunch of wine and goodies from a bakery, Gibson's Bakery, family-owned bakery. And they, uh, they got caught by the, the employees and arrested by the police and eventually were found guilty. But the, the head of the school, because they were black, didn't think they should be held responsible. And they damaged and shut down basically the bakery, got people to not go to the bakery, called them racist. So God bless the Gibsons. They got $31 million from Oberlin. Now, the problem is that all these schools, they don't care. It's not their money. They, that's taxpayers' money. And so they're just blowing through it. Did you think any, do you think Oberlin even apologized to the Gibsons? Not one. The, that principal, the, uh, not the principal, what do they call it? The president of the college? The deans of the college all stood up for these these criminals that robbed Gibson's store, stealing from them. That's just a little uh, payback for these colleges. We're done here today, so we're going to uh, call it a day, and uh, we hope you had a good time, and you'll do something good for somebody this week, and we'll be back, Lord willing, next week. Catch you later. trees are green red roses too I see them bloom for me and you and I think to myself what a wonderful world I see skies are blue The bright blessed day and the dark sacred night And I think to myself, what a wonderful